Hello and welcome this morning to Moms Talk Autism. We have a special guest with us today and we can't wait to dive in with her. Stay tuned. When you become a mom, you never imagine your child getting an autism diagnosis. It feels like your dreams have shattered, like a framed photograph falling off your mantle, exploding into a thousand pieces. But instead of trying to glue those pieces back together, this community of moms is here to help you build a new dream, a better one. So join in the conversation as us moms talk autism. Hello, this is Brittany. Yes, it's just me today. The other girls are off living life and doing all the fun things. No, 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 just kidding. Everyone's very busy. And uh, we were hoping to get another one of us on, but it just wasn't in the cards. Um, Shannon's sick and Tosh and Jean have a million things going on. But I am here with my friend, Charlie. Uh, we are neighbors and friends and our kids go to school together. So Austin and Liam. Uh, so welcome, Charlie. We're so glad you're here with us today. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Um, well, we're just going to dive right in. Um, and Charlie's, uh, family and, uh, autism journey is, different and the same as mine, but there are some distinct differences. And we really do want to talk about some of the intricacies of her life and her family's life um, with Liam, because it's, it's a unique, she's had some unique challenges. And I think there's a lot of our listeners out there who not only will find it interesting, but can maybe relate. Um, there's all these subsets and these different I don't know, bubbles within even the special needs community or even, you know, autism. And um, we just really kind of want to dive into some of these lesser known waters or maybe less less spoken about, less known. Um, so yeah, tell us a little about yourself and your family first. Okay. So my name is Charlie Nganga. Um, it's kind of a hard Gunga. last name. I finally got it. I'm so proud of myself, <laughs> which is ridiculous, but I am. <laughs> I know it's really hard. Um, I'm married to my husband. His name is Vito and he was born and raised in Fiji. Um, and then we have three kids, Liam, who's 10 and we have a daughter, Layla, that's nine. And then we have a 18 month old Griffin who, um, uh, yeah, he's just 18 months and kind of a little bit of a surprise, big gap there, but we're happy to have it. Yay, he's so cute. Um, yeah, he's so cute. Um, and we live, like you said, we live here um, close to Brittany and um, we've been here um, for probably about almost a year now. It's almost a crazy. year, right? Okay. Yeah, we're coming up on a year. And prior to that, we lived in Fiji for about eight years. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Okay, so you and your husband met in college, and then did you guys move to Fiji right away, or did you live in the U.S. for a little bit? Um, so we actually lived in the U.S. for about four years after we got married. Um, both of our uh, the two older kids were born in the U.S., and then when they were two and one is when we moved oh, okay. over to Fiji. I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so you moved out of the country with a two-year-old and a one-year-old. 
<laughs> and I'm sure you you'd visited there before. I mean, that's where Vito is from. Yeah, we had been we don't we had been okay. one time. Um, yeah, a couple years prior to oh moving, we had been to visit. Awesome. So. Okay, <laughs> so you get to Fiji. You're getting settled. He has family there, which is now your family. Um, what did you think about it? Were you? I mean, I'm sure it was exciting, but like. Did, was it an easy acclimation uh, <laughs> for you? Did it take time? Um, how did um, it go? You know, I think, you know, I had visited a couple years prior and loved it when I went there. But, you know, living somewhere is a whole different ball game than just Absolutely. visiting. Um, we kind of just jumped in, you know, head first. And I didn't really think much about it, I think. I was kind of young at that time. Sure. And I just, you know, it was exciting. And um, you know, it took some time to adjust, you know, it's a completely different climate and culture. Yeah. And, um, you know, I had obviously knew my husband's family and friends that we had from Fiji and stuff, but, you know, living in the cultures, it's a big change. Um, but you know, it's, I feel like it was a pretty easy transition. The people there are just so friendly and so kind and, welcoming and stuff. So it was, it was easy in those ways. Um, I feel like probably the hardest transition was just maybe the climate. Interesting. And, yeah, that makes um, sense. Those kinds of things, just getting used to that kind of stuff. Yeah. But um, yeah, it was, it was good. We, we loved it. It was a, it was a really good choice. I think that we made to go when we yeah, did. That's but. awesome. Okay. So you've got these two little kitties, you're adjusted, you're feeling good in Fiji, you're used to the, the heat. <laughs> <laughs> the yeah. endless summer or in the, I'm assuming they have a rainy season and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. 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 Okay. And so you have these gorgeous, cute little babies, toddlers, right? And yeah. uh, tell me a little bit about how, when Liam was first diagnosed and in that process for you. Okay. So I'll actually start back when we were still in the yeah. States because um, it that's kind of where it started. Uh, when I actually, I'll start even before I had kids. When I was 19, um, I, you know, I was going to college. I'd come home from the summer. I was kind of having some um, kind of like female health issues. And so my mom made me go get some tests done. Uh -huh. And um, at that time, like, um, like I didn't even care about what was happening with me. My my mom made well, me go, and 19. so I was doing all these blood yeah. tests. And you, know? you have a great mom. Your mom was like, "No, we need to get this looked at." Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, and so I did the tests, and um, basically what was happening was I was going into early menopause at nineteen. Wow. And so I had gone to the doctor, and they had done um, my blood tests multiple times, and the hormone F the FSH hormone, which if you don't know is what they use to tell if somebody's going into menopause. Um, the doctor told me that mine was higher than like a 70 year old woman's. Wow. So at 19, they basically told me that I would never have kids. Um, which obviously that's not an easy pill to swallow at that age. Yeah. Um, but you know, I'm a, I've, I'm a religious person and I kind of always kind of still had faith that maybe it could happen. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, so fast forward like a year later, um, my mom called me one day and said um, that one of my cousins had um, a son that was having developmental delays and they did a lot of genetic testing and found that he had fragile X syndrome. And um, we had never heard of that before, um, but they were able to do um, testing with his mom and they found it came from her. 
which then led to us finding out that it had come in from uh, my grandmother. And so my aunt urged like all of her siblings to get tested to see if they were carriers. So my mom got tested and she was a carrier of this syndrome. Um, and so there's four girls in my family. And so she wanted all of us to get tested. And so we all got tested. Um, three out of four of us are carriers of the mm-hmm. gene. Um, my littlest sister got lucky. <laughs> <laughs> um but um, come to find out those issues that I was having is something that is common for carriers. Oh, I didn't know X. that. Okay. Yeah. So um, sometimes, you know, going into premature menopause is actually a very common thing with carriers, not as young as I was, okay. but um, typically they go into So another piece uh, of the puzzle for you, for your health. That's yeah. okay. It's probably very helpful. Yeah. So there's, there's some things that go along with being a carrier, but from that point on, I kind of, like, I knew I was a carrier of the gene that I could pass it on to my kids if I ever had kids. Um, So when I um, was going to get married, I, you know, that was kind of a hard conversation to have with my husband to tell him that, like, I had this potential of having kids with um, fragile X syndrome. But, you know, the night I told him, I was like, so nervous, but he was like, oh, that's fine. <laughs> like it didn't like even phase him at all, which that was a really big blessing. But um, yeah, I married a good Absolutely. one. Absolutely. If, if you don't. Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, so we got married. Um, I honestly, you know, I didn't know if I would be able to have mm-hmm. kids. Um, but then not even after a year of being married, I was pregnant. So, um, you know, we were just excited and um, like I did honestly didn't even think about the potential of him having this syndrome. Like it honestly just didn't even cross my mind ever Interesting. Um, throughout the pregnancy or anything. I wasn't really thinking yeah. about it. Um, but um, I guess I kind of, I'll try and describe what fragile yes, X is kind of that quickly. Would be awesome. um, so basically it's carried on the X chromosome. So, um, you know, when you have a baby, if you're going to have a boy, they're XY, a girl is XX. Um, so boys and girls can both get fragile X syndrome. Um, but if a girl, um, gets it, typically she'll be higher functioning than the boys are just because she gets an unaffected X from the father. Um, so, but if a boy does get it, then they typically will have, um, you know, very similar, things to autism. So it's, there's a lot of overlap between fragile X and autism. Um, they struggle with speech delays, uh, anxiety, um, social interactions. There's, there's a whole list of things, but, um, it's actually one of the leading causes of intellectual disability. Um, so, um, my, like the, there's a few categories of being a carrier or versus being, unaffected or if you have the full mutation. So I'm a carrier. um, And then depending on the number of repeats that you have of this gene, um, you can become the full mutation of it. So um, if once you're over 200 repeats, that's when you're the full mutation. And so I have somewhere around 80. um, So my potential of passing it on um, or it mutating to the full mutation in my children was around 60%. Um, so, um, Liam, when he was born, um, he, the first probably three months he was born, um, 
every night from about 10 to 2, he would just cry. Mm. <laughs> Nothing you could do would, like, help him. Um, so, like, you know, as a first-time mom, my first thought wasn't, oh, he might have fragile X. It was just, he's oh, he's colicky. Yeah. Or, yeah. So, Acid I mean, reflux, like, I was, something like that. Yeah, I wasn't thinking along those lines. But looking back now, I can see that's probably what it was from. But um, we actually ended up every night I would just, you know, try and get him to calm down. Um, And after probably a few weeks of that, I just was in the bathroom one night and my husband happened to walk in and turn on the bathtub and he just stopped crying, like full stop. Um, And then when the water turned off, he just started again. Interesting. So we're like, okay, let's just test this out. And so every time we would turn the water on, he would stop crying, turn it off, start again. So um, for probably a month or two, I would just sit in the bathroom every night from 10 to 2 with the water running (laughs) because it was the only way to keep him from crying. And he would always fall asleep. But this second you would turn the water off, he would like wake up again. Interesting. Wow. um, It was super interesting. So that was probably one of the first signs looking back that I could see that there was something a little Mm -hmm. bit different. Um, but after that, he was just, he kind of outgrew that little stage and he was just the happiest, most friendly little baby. He was so easy. Mm -hmm. Um, so like, again, like fragile X was the furthest thing from my mind. I thought he was fine. Um, and then probably about when he was 15 months or so, um, I started noticing that he, um, was having speech delay. He wasn't really making a lot of sounds or noises. Um, and so I decided just to contact like the early intervention um, people in the area I was mm-hmm. in. And so they came and this out. And still in the U.S. Um, okay. Yeah, that was yep. in Utah okay. at the time. Um, so they came out, did their little evaluation and found that he was, you know, behind and stuff. So they recommended that he start speech. And um, so we started doing speech for a while. We would have someone come to our house. Um, I think it was about once a month or so at the time. And then when he turned 18 months, um, they did another evaluation just to kind of see where he was at. And um, they upped his speech and he also got OT. And then um, he was doing a play group um, a couple times a week with some other kids, which was, I felt that that was a really good thing for him. Um, We liked that a lot. Um, So we kind of knew, you know, something was going on. They had... Um, kind of not, I wouldn't say diagnosed, but kind of said he has like global developmental delay and um, maybe sensory processing disorder. And for me, like I kind of was holding on to those things because those kind of felt more, um, I wouldn't say fixable, but like manageable um, for you, manageable and then maybe fragile X or autism. Yeah. Um, so to me, I was kind of like holding on to those, like, oh, that's all it is, yeah. you know? Um, but then um, it just so happened that my husband was able – he was given a job offer in Fiji. And we had always kind of talked about wanting to go. Um, but, like, at the same time, all this stuff was kind of happening with Liam. And so, like, I was like, you know, we, we probably just can't go. You know, we just should probably just turn it down. Um, but then, you know, I kind of talked to his therapist about it that he was working with at the time. And um, she just, like, looked at me and said – well, do you want to go? And I said, well, yeah, we do. If it weren't for like what's going on with Liam. And she's like, just go. Like, it'll be good for him. You know, you'll have a lot of support. You have the tools you need to to kind of keep continuing what we've been doing with mm-hmm. him. Because at that time, we'd only talked about we were probably only going to go for a year or two. Okay. Um, 
And so, you know, that kind of gave me a little bit of reassurance. But, you know, we thought a lot about it and prayed about it. And we we felt good about going. And so we just decided to do it. And so, you know, we took off um, to Fiji. And um, when we got there, um, I hadn't really been able to find anything, any kind of services there for um, kids with special needs until um, probably about six months after we had been there. I finally found a school there. It was like an early intervention preschool um, that they had. It was privately funded. Um, and so I went and talked to them and they needed him to get like a, a recommendation from the public hospital um, that he needed to go there. So we did that. Um, he got the recommendation and then he started that at that preschool. Um, and he was there probably from three until he turned eight um, it was, it was great. Um, I would say, you know, a lot of those teachers there, they're wonderful, awesome people and they were so good with them, but they're not trained, okay. um, in special education. Um, there was a couple of teachers there that had been, but for the most part, most of them, um, had no training. Um, and so as far as you know, was that the, the only option you had? Like, did you... Fine. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, that was the best option. There are some like publicly funded special needs schools, but um, basically they're just babysitting services. Okay. <laughs> um, they didn't do anything to try to like help the kids. Um, so we, he was in that school where they, you know, they tried, they, um, you know, they did their own research and tried to do things like little um, pec sports mm-hmm. and different things like that for the kids to try and learn with. Um so for the most part, he was just with those teachers. Occasionally, they would get um, visiting professionals from like Australia and New Zealand um, that would come and work with the kids with speech and those kinds of things. Um, but it was pretty sporadic. Um, there was, I feel like one year where there was um, a really great lady named Terry that came from Australia and she stayed for like a whole year. And so he was able to get speech from her. And she also took a lot of time and trained some of the teachers yeah. on things that they could do to help the kids. Um, so, you know, like as far as like any kind of therapies, he really didn't get much um, over there. Um, we did what we could to try and um, help him with things that we had learned and, you know, do just look online and try and find ways that I could help him. Um, cause with Liam, he struggles mostly, I would say like his, his speech is very delayed. Um, he has communication skills now. Um, like I would say he can say most anything. It's not clear, mm-hmm. but I can understand what he's saying. Um, and he's honestly just not a big talker in general. Like he just talks only to get what he wants or needs. He's doesn't really want to engage in conversation mm-hmm. with you. Um, but he, you know, he gets by and he's, you know, since we've been here, he's improving quite a bit, which is good to see. Um, it's really funny. So I have to um, tell you, uh, when we, uh, so our, our school that both of Liam and Austin go to, they have a van service that picks up the kids, um, instead of like buses, cause it's not a very big school. So they use, um, you know, minivans and, um, Liam gets picked up before Austin does and they ride in the same van every morning. So, uh, I get to see Liam every morning, which is awesome. And, um, Austin, I think Austin's the last pickup of the day and, uh, he, <laughs> Liam always 
uh, Liam really likes Austin. I don't know if you know that, uh, but he he yeah. gets very excited when he sees Austin. He comes out and sometimes he tries to talk to Austin. Now, Austin doesn't give anyone the time of day, hardly. So, uh, you know, but he, Liam will sometimes hold his hand out and he'll give him a high five. And he's like, I like, you know, he'll point to Austin's shirt like he likes Austin's clothes and Anyway, it's just super cute that Liam is I, he's he's very engaging and he wants if he wants to speak, he'll speak. You know, <laughs> it's kind of one of those yeah, things that's for sure. But it's so cute. Like he's just he seems like he's genuinely happy to see his friend Austin every every morning. So, yeah, anyway, it's adorable. Yeah, he he's really a social kid once like once you get into his world, it's like an amazing place to be. He just really he loves people, which, you know, most people that would see him probably would think he doesn't just because mm-hmm. he's he has a lot of anxiety, like social anxiety. Mm-hmm. And that's probably one of his bigger struggles that he has. But he, you know, a lot of times if people try and talk to him, if he doesn't know them, he like will kind of shout at them or just like run away or um, kind of get upset and stuff. So, you know, I think that kind of turns people away from him a lot. Yeah. But you know, the people that have really taken the time to just like let him be and not like kind of like force themselves upon him, like he lets them in. And once they're in, it's just, it's a really special place yeah. to be for Liam. I mean, and, you know, it's, it was kind of hard with my family, you know, cause we lived in Fiji for most of Liam's life. And so, you know, we would see them maybe once a year or so. And, um, you know, like anytime we would try and, you know, I would talk to my parents and family like mostly every day, but on FaceTime, Liam did not like that yeah, at all. It's hard. Um, so like trying to get him to talk to them over the internet was pretty impossible. So I felt like they didn't really get to know him, which was hard. Um, you know, they would come and visit and it usually would take him a few days to kind of warm up and yeah. and be okay around them and stuff. But now that we've moved back here, like we right now we're living with my parents, <clears throat> excuse me. And like, he's just, my mom and dad are just in his world now. And it's just a really fun thing to see. And, um, he, I think he prefers my parents over us now. Oh, he's always Austin asking definitely prefers where my they parents are. over me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's fun. It's really fun to see the relationship that they've formed with each other. That's awesome. Um, that's so great. So, okay. So you're in Fiji. You, you've gotten into the school. When did you uh, get Liam tested for Fragile X? And what is that process like? So if someone was maybe curious if they are a carrier or if they wanted to get their child tested, um, explain a little bit of that process. Okay, sure. Um, you know, we kind of suspected it all along. But um, when he was about four, we were able to come back to the U.S. and visit Um and we were able to actually get in to see um, Dr. Hagerman at the Mind Institute in Sacramento. Um, she's one of the leading researchers for Fragile X Syndrome. Um, and so that was a big blessing to get in to see her. And she was able to do his testing because it's a very, um, well, at the time, at least, it was a really very expensive DNA test. So it's a blood draw. Okay. Um, and there's just a very specific test that they run to test if they have fragile X syndrome. And so she was able to do his testing for him. Um, and then we were able to get the results that he did have the full mutation of fragile X, but Liam actually, um, is something called mosaic fragile X, which, um, basically why, 
um, they have the intellectual disability is because they, um, when they have the full mutation, their body doesn't produce a certain protein that's needed for that cognitive function. So um, when you have the full full mutation, your body doesn't produce that protein. But when you're mosaic, there's a certain percentage of his cells that do produce the protein. Um, And so typically they'll say mosaic kids are going to be a little bit higher functioning. That's not always going to be the case, but um, so he's mosaic. Um, So basically, yeah, it's a blood draw. It's, you know, it's, it's just in their genes. And so it's a chromosomal thing you can test find for it. Blood. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And same for you getting tested yeah. or anybody carrier. Yeah, anybody yeah. can get tested. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The Mind Institute um, is done through the UC Davis, uh, you know, school and health system here in California. And we've also done, you know, not, not Fragile X, but we've done other autism uh, clinical studies and things there. It's, it's a great place. Um, for all of that they have yeah, a great yeah, autism great there. research center so yeah mm-hmm. very cool okay so yeah. may i ask i don't know if this is if you don't want to answer this you don't have to but why did you wait so long to get him tested if you knew that you were probably a carrier um i think part of it was just i was naive uh-huh. sure <laughs> and a little bit too hopeful maybe but um I don't know. I think kind of when we were going through all that stuff, it, um, it kind of happened pretty quickly when, you know, he started having the delays and then we went to Fiji. Right. Well, that interrupted um, any kind of, yeah, research. Yeah. And that. obviously in Fiji, they don't have any of the resources to get tested right. there. Um, and so, you know, we kind of just, you know, knowing wasn't going to change what we could do for him, yeah. I guess. Um, like we would, st- it's still the same like protocol of what you would do to help him. And so, okay. um, I kind of just treat it like he did have right. it, um, even if I didn't have the the test results right in front of me. Um, so, I mean, as soon as we were able to get him tested, we did. Um, so we had that diagnosis um, from the time he was four. Um, but, you know, it didn't really mean anything to anybody in Fiji. Like, nobody right. there knows. They don't even know what autism is, most people. So, um, you know, it's just kind of more for our... Um, understanding and well, and yeah, and I think but, there are some benefits to knowing. Did you did it change? I know it doesn't change Liam at all. It doesn't necessarily change what you would do for him, like therapy wise or anything. Uh, did it change your thoughts, perspectives, attitudes at all, or was it just like, okay, well, now I have some more information? Yeah, I mean, I don't think it changed my perception of him really at all. Um, you know, I think looking back, I'm grateful that. Like I didn't kind of know from birth maybe because, you know, it allows you to kind of enjoy them as a baby and, and things and not have all that worry put on your shoulders. Um, you know, like my youngest son, um, just a few weeks ago, we got his results that he also has it. Yes. And obviously he was, he was born in Fiji, um. So we didn't obviously have the way to test there either when he was um, a baby. We moved here. He was nine months mm-hmm. old. Um, and right when we came, we wanted to get him tested, but it took quite a while to get his blood drawn. He was just, his veins were just too little to get it <laughs> oh, out. Oh, poor baby. <laughs> um, so <laughs> I know we tried so many times. It was so sad. Aww. But I mean, finally, we were able to get the results. But, you know, from the time he was probably a year old or so, like, 
I saw start to see the delays. So like in my head, I'm like, I know it's fragile X. I don't need to be right. told, but but getting yeah. testing so, like, it wasn't a gets surprise. you that diagnosis, which means which gets you the services. Like it's a necessary yeah, thing we need to do. But yeah, mm-hmm. you knew. Yeah, I think it was very similar for me with uh, Ruby too. Like I saw the delays. I saw what was coming. You're already in that world, and you just got to go yeah. through the you know the checklist to get it official or whatever. But yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it wasn't a surprise right. when we got his results and stuff. Obviously, we hoped that he didn't get it, but, you know, we're prepared for it and we know what to expect. So, um, we're going to be fine. He's going to be fine. He is. They're both <laughs> adorable little guys. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. So, Liam's been diagnosed. We have the Fragile X diagnosis in addition. Does he? So, if you have a Fragile X diagnosis, do you also have an autism diagnosis? Do they always go hand in hand? Um, do you know? How does that work? Not not always, but there's a large percentage of um, kids with Fragile X syndrome that also have an autism diagnosis. Right. Okay. And um, intellectual disability probably a, too. Okay. Yeah. So, there's, there's a ton of overlap in those things. Um, you know, I've heard before that there's a lot of kids that are diagnosed with autism that probably also have Fragile X. It's just not a well-known thing. And yeah. so- um, oh, and that, that's a good point, you know, too, though. Like, just because you have autism does not mean you have fragile X. No. And not, I, I'd say a vast majority of those with fragile X have autism, though. But that isn't necessarily 100% either, would you say? Okay. No, no. There's some that don't ever get the autism. But there's a, there's a heavy so. overlap. If you have fragile X, yeah. there's a good chance there's some autis- autism or aut- autistic tendencies or whatever in there. Yeah, okay. for sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's good to know. All right. Yeah. So, I mean, when we moved here, um, obviously I had to go through like the whole process, getting Liam all his like official things so that he could get into school and get the services he needed. Yeah. So we were able to get him his autism diagnosis and and all those things once we came back okay. here um, so that he could get those services because that's like the key word here, it seems like, yep. to be able to get stuff. Gotta have so. that diagnosis. Yep. And did you do it through uh, medical professionals or through a school system or both? Um, he had both. So um, first, because we got here like in the beginning of summer, we just did all the medical stuff because um, the schools weren't open. So um, he got that from a psychiatrist and a neurologist. And then um, when he got into school, they did all their own testing to kind of see and they kind of agreed with those findings. Yeah, that's kind of so. how it goes here in California. I'm not sure about the rest of the U.S., but you know, you can kind of do your medical diagnoses um, on, on your own through your insurance or through a regional center. And then, you know, once school is in session and they have to be three years old or above, um, the school will kind of do their own, they'll do it again and, you know, using their own people or their own system. Um, and it's, it, you know, I always try to encourage people and I think you would too. It's good to have both. Um, especially if you want to tap into all the services available to have all the resources uh, as many as you can it's good to have both of those school and a medical doctor yeah yeah excellent sure. okay so um so you're in Fiji you've got you're doing all the programs you can it sounds like you know places that maybe don't have you know a large enough population um meaning you know a- a- and children a large a large uh, quantity is the wrong word. That makes it sound like it's a thing. But, uh, <laughs> you know, population of, of people with special needs, um, th- there isn't a lot of training. And that's maybe where 
a lot of other countries need to start, right, is is finding the professionals and getting them the proper training in order to to help these kids and these people out. Um, and it, it sounds like they they are working on that, getting people from Australia and other places. So that's awesome. Um, and why did you move back to the U.S.? Was that for job as well? Did it have to do with Liam and his services? You know, tell, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, sure. So, you know, when we moved there, we had initially only planned to stay for maybe a couple of years um, just for the experience and whatnot. But, you know, when we got there, we just really loved living there. And um, it was actually very good for Liam um, to be there. I think the the community and the people there are just so loving and accepting. Um, You know, there's not a lot of knowledge of like the special needs world there, but in general, they just are that way with everybody, you know, yeah. there's, there was still support, um, even if I mean, there wasn't. Yeah. Like they, they didn't care like what, if, if, if you had something or not, he was just Liam right. to them. So, um, it was really good for him. You know, he got to spend all day outside playing, um, walking the beach. Um, you know, he, he's a collector of sticks. So, you know, he'd just be on this beach all by himself, just getting all the little pieces of driftwood that he could find. And, um, you know, there were so many good things that he was able to do, um, when he was there and he just, he loves being outside. And so it really was like the perfect place for him. Um, you know, we have always tried our best to, um, include him, I think, in everything that we do as a family so that he doesn't just become like this uh, hermit, you know, that just wants to stay inside all the time yeah. and, you know, watch his shows and things. And so we always, you know, try to push him sometimes outside of his comfort zone to do things. Um, and we always saw a lot of benefit in doing that for him. And, um, you know, it was always kind of this uh, this hard thing to decide, you know, if if it was the best thing for him to be in Fiji or if we go back and, you know, get him into all these therapies and all these things. And, um, you know, we always would kind of evaluate every once in a while and say, are we doing the right thing still? And um, like looking back, you know, some might criticize us for not bringing him back sooner and getting him into, you know, speech therapy and all these things. But like my viewpoint was always, you know, strip away like his disability he's just a kid yeah yeah and like it was the greatest gift that we could have given him to have a childhood yeah um and so you know we know he's probably always gonna live with us and you know he's you know now that we've been back he's catching up like it's not like he's you know doesn't have a future now that he didn't have all those therapies from birth but um you know, we're grateful that we were able to give him that gift. But back to your question, um, you know, it kind of got to a point where um, we didn't really see much of a future anymore there for him. Um, I mean, he probably would have loved to just live there the rest of his life and do what he was doing. You know, he was happy there. But, um, you know, we just kind of got to a point where there wasn't much of a life ahead of him. Like there was no school options anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, and then also for our the rest of our family's benefit, um, for my sanity, I think I needed more <laughs> out of life than just, you know, just 
watching Liam ride his bike around the circle a million times. <laughs> you know, I, I needed more for myself. Um, and I think also for our daughter, um, she loved life in Fiji for sure. But, um, you know, there's just not a lot of things there for her. And she kind of had to sacrifice a lot for her brother. Yeah. Um, and we haven't mentioned Layla yet. So how yeah. she, she's a year younger than Liam, right? Or yeah, they're about 14, 14. months apart. Okay. Um, yeah. So, you know, I'm, I'm grateful I had her. She was just the, the best baby you could have ever asked for from the time she was probably nine months old. She's acted like she's an adult. Um, <laughs> she's amazing. She's mature beyond her years, <laughs> probably more mature than I am, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> and she's just, she's just an amazing sister to Liam. She, understands him more than anybody and she's you know she's got this fire in her that I know she's always gonna be his biggest yeah, protector yeah. so definitely um, you can see it she's you know amazing and and for Griffin too yeah yeah for sure she's the best sister for them that we could have ever asked for That's great um but yeah so we part of it was we wanted more for her and you know now that we we're here we have so much support yeah from family and friends and um just like everybody in our community and everything. So she has so many just different activities that she gets to do now that are just hers. And so, you know, that was a big reason too, that we, we wanted to come back. So sorry, when we moved back, we actually just decided we would, we had been trying to get jobs, but no one, but nobody wants to hire somebody that's living in another country. <laughs> so um, we kind of just had to uh, take a little leap of faith and come back with nothing. Um and so we did that and, you know, we've been blessed with uh, good jobs and and we've gotten settled here and it's just, it was, I think, meant to be for us to come back when we yeah. did. So um, I, I, yeah. I want to bring up something that you said earlier. I'm going to backtrack just a second because I thought, I think it's really, really important for people to hear and understand that, that you're living in a foreign country or, you know, not, not the U.S. where, um, and there's other countries who have great special needs services out, out there. It's not just the U.S., but the U.S. has has a good system in general um, compared to most most places, I think, in the world. And uh, you were feeling that you needed to to, you know, have more services for Liam, more options and, and for your whole family. Um, and you probably felt pressure, as you said, as he was in those early younger years, those early elementary years that maybe maybe we aren't giving him everything he needs you know living somewhere where there's just not it's not that we we don't want him to do these things but they're just not available there's one school and people who maybe there's one teacher who knows what they're doing there and that's it you know um who has the proper training um but but it's like you said you you evaluated what was best for your family and you stayed where you felt was necessary and 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 best for Liam at that time and then when it was time to go you made a different choice you came back here or wherever you needed to go but you came back here which we're so uh, thankful and happy that you came back here so you can hang out with me and and your parents and everything <laughs> but um but you said he's catching up and it's it was the right thing to do you know i think a lot of parents when they first get those diagnoses and um find out all about the world of autism it's just shoved down their throat early intervention you have to do this you have to do this if you don't do this then you know you're 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 setting them up for not being able to to grow and learn and and ca you know quote catch up you know um and 
and where yeah that's true it's it's good to have those early intervention services and and you know do all the therapies when they're young but it's not always the right choice every time it's not the only answer and it's not if if you don't do those things it's not like well sorry that's it you know there's there's this is the best you're going to get you know this is this is it for you you missed your window so too bad for you that's not true um so hearing your story and your perspective on that, I think, is really, really important for people to understand. I don't know if you have anything else to say about that, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's. I think it's important also just to find balance. Yeah. I mean, even coming back here, you know, like for me, I mean, Liam's at school all day. He gets speech and he gets OT when he's there. Like, I mean, we're we've been told he needs to do ABA, but like I'm kind of hesitant because I feel like he's getting enough. Yeah. Like, Like, I still want him to be a kid. I don't want him to go to school all day, then come home and have to do therapy until bedtime. I mean, he he needs that downtime and he needs his home to be his home and like his place of refuge. And so there's those kind of decisions that you have to make, um, what kind of life you want them to have and like what, when is enough enough. And, you know, it's kind of starting now with my baby Griffin. Yeah. You know, like he's in three different therapies right now, and it's kind of overwhelming <laughs> a little bit, you know. Yeah. And um, so it's it's going to be interesting to see kind of what decisions we make for him as as he goes on and stuff. But um, you know, it's just hard. You just got to find that balance what works for your family, and it's going to be different for everybody. And it is about the family <laughs> too. I mean, Layla has stuff as well. Like it's yeah. we we yeah. I have four children. They every child needs to be considered. It's not just Austin or it's not just Ruby or it's not just Austin and Ruby and the other two, you know, it, and there's a time and a season for all of it. We've talked about this before on yeah. the podcast, but, but, you know, we did ABA for quite a while and then now we're not. And, you know, and that's okay. Yeah. Like, and it, it, it will, it's, it's important to, to keep reevaluating that and, and decide what is best for the whole family not just, you know, the one person in that family. It, you're a unit. Yeah, that's for you're sure. You're a team. So, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I was, I was going to ask about the services he's getting now. And so he's in school. He's getting OT and speech at school. Yeah. Um, and you're not doing ABA or any um, out-of-school therapies for him right now, correct, for Liam? No, not currently. We're, I mean, we're on a waiting list for ABA. I haven't decided for yeah, sure. Yeah, we'll get on the waiting list. And a spot opens yeah. up. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, we also just feel like, you know, like I said, he needs some downtime. And, you know, we try our best to kind of give him like real world experience as much as we can, too, even though it's hard for us sometimes. Some of that functional skill stuff. Yeah. Like he's resistant to going out places sometimes, I think, just because he, it's hard for him when there's lots of people yeah. and, People try to talk to him and those kinds of things are hard for him, but we try our best to um, put him in those situations still, you know, like going to his sister's softball games and, you know, like stuff like that was hard at first, but now he's okay. Like he enjoys going most of the time and, you know, he's cheering her on and those kinds of things. So it's good to be able to get him out and do those kinds of things with him. Um, like I said, though, sometimes it's really hard for us. Like we don't end up really enjoying it as much as we could. But <laughs> oh yes, I um, understand. I think it's it's important for him to do those things. Yeah, though that's awesome. So. I really think you guys are yeah. are doing a great job and doing the best you can. And it's just good for other people to hear that too. Just because you're back, you moved back here for services and for help for Liam, right? To get him 
the yeah, the yeah. professional care he needed. But that doesn't mean you have to say yes to everything that is offered to you. Yeah. No. But yeah, it's good sure. to I always try to encourage parents to yeah, get on that waiting list. Yeah, sign up for this, sign up for that. And that way it's your choice. Mm-hmm. You know, you yeah. get to say yes or no as opposed to oh, I don't, you know, it's a six months wait list. Oh, we're not going to be able to get on it. So I'm just not even going to try. Like sign up for uh-huh. it. You never know. Take a look at it. And then you get to make the choice, not them choosing for you because, oh, they don't have room or you have to wait or whatever it is. So, yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, okay. So we talked a little bit about his communication and how he interacts with the world. Um what what does Liam like to do? What are his interests and abilities and and what sparks joy in Liam? <laughs> All right away, I'm gonna say trains. Yes. That's like his thing right now. Trains are awesome. <laughs> I feel like anytime we have downtime, we're chasing trains, which we're we, we live in a good place because there's, there's so a lot many of trains around us. Trains around here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He loves that. He, you know, like I said, he loves to be outside. Um when he's home, he's usually just in our backyard. Um, uh, he loves sticks. That's like his thing. He has this little bundle of sticks he carries everywhere. Um, anytime we're going on like a walk or something, he seems like he finds one or two more to add to it. Um, but he just, you know, he just does his own thing and he, you know, he, like I said before, he has a hard time around people, but he does like being around people. Um, you just have to give him the time he needs to get comfortable. I think that's very, Um, you know, there's been times. Yeah, like we've had to tell family members and stuff, you know, especially my husband's family, like in their culture, like with kids, they just want to hug them and kiss them and <laughs> all those things. And to a point where sometimes they force it on to the kids. But, you know, it was creating problems with Liam when we were there. So like we just had to say, you know, when he comes, just ignore him for, you know, the first 20 minutes and just see what happens. And when they started doing that, then you know, he would let them in and he'd start interacting with them and stuff. So I mean, you just have to just give him his time. And once he's comfortable with people, he's just like any other kid. He loves to play. And it's kind of funny. He's getting to a point now where, you know, um, when we came back, one of my best friends moved back at the same time and she's got three boys and, you know, they were kind of that way. They just let him do his thing until he was comfortable with them. And they came to Layla's softball game one day and um, to watch her and he saw them there. So he went over and he wanted to sit with them. And I was kind of talking with my friend behind the bleachers and he just turned around and said, mom, go away. <gasps> like he didn't, he didn't want me to like interfere with like him and his friends kind of thing. Adorable. Like he's kind of trying to show like he wants his independence and he doesn't, he doesn't want his mom like there. It's very um, typical, you know, normal yeah, tween like, so he, <laughs> thing to do. Yeah. Like he just, he wants to be, just one of the kids and um it's really special to see when he um is able to get to that place where he's comfortable enough to to insert himself into um like typical peers and things like that um it's it seems like it happens more and more that more we give him the opportunity to do that i guess um so i mean that's fun to see him him doing that that's that's huge that's what all yeah. of us mamas want to hear is a their kids are happy and that they're mm-hmm. they're content in in interacting with you know their children their own age that's that's wonderful um yeah 
What are your guys' struggles and challenges right now with him or just, you know, the system or, you know, what's, what's yeah. hard? Um, I feel like kind of what I mentioned, it's, it's always hard to find like the balance of just life and trying to keep yeah. everybody happy. You know, we've got three kids and, um, you know, Layla's amazing with Liam, but sometimes, you know, she resents him for things, you know, sometimes we're somewhere fun and he just will have a meltdown and, you know, we just kind of have to pick up and go and um, that's hard for her sometimes. And so it's trying to find that balance of, you know, maybe trying to always have a parent that's available to take him away, um, yep. let him calm down, those kinds of things. Um, I mean, that's always probably our biggest struggle is just trying to find that balance of making everybody happy. Yeah. Um, I think we can, everyone can <laughs> sure the, everybody. Can relate to that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Um, and then also just trying to make sure that, you know, we stay um, happy ourselves and not get too overwhelmed. I'm probably the one that struggles with that more. Just I'm someone that's, it's hard for me to ask for help sure. <laughs> and like, I'm also like a very competitive person. So like, even if something's being is really hard for me, I won't ask for help. I'll just be like, no, I can do it. I can do it. And sometimes I just kind of maybe push myself a little bit too hard. So yeah. I'm just learning to ask for help is something that I think I need to work on, but um, I've got lots of it now. So um, <laughs> my mom is amazing. She just does stuff without asking. And um, sometimes I feel guilty for that, but um, I know she she loves being there for us. So. I was going to ask you about them um, yeah. and the support that you have. Yeah. So I used to live in the same neighborhood right by your mom, just down the street. And so when you were in Fiji yeah. and, you know, you guys were getting the diagnosis and kind of getting started, we would we would talk about you and your family quite often. She would, you know, she knew I had Austin. And and so we kind of powwowed a lot and just um, chatted about special needs life and, and and really bonded that way. And she would fill me in on on your progress and how Liam was doing and things. And so, yeah, t talk a little bit about your parents and how they've, they've helped you, especially in this last year. Right. Yeah. They've been so much help. I mean, we came back not knowing where we would kind of land. Um, it was just kind of dependent on where we could get a job, I guess, but we were lucky enough to get a job here in this area. And so, you know, we've been staying with them. We didn't intend to, be with them this long. We've been looking for a house to buy for ourselves, but you know, the market's kind of crazy uh, right terrible. now. So we're just yeah. <laughs> hoping this summer something will happen for us, but they've been so, so good. Um, my mom is just the biggest help. She, you know, I mean, I can do it on my own, but with her there, it's just, just takes that little extra load off. And, um, you know, when I'm going to pick kids up from school or whatever she'll just stay with Liam because Liam doesn't love to go places all the time so she's always just there to help with him and she loves spending time with him they have this really special relationship and so it's really fun to see that and you know she's just there for everything I feel like you know just an emotional support and my dad too he's just he's a really fun guy to be around <laughs> and so uh <laughs> He just, I think they just love having the kids there. They were alone for quite a, a while because all of my sisters, we kind of live um, far away yeah. from them. And it's fun for them now to have um, us there. I think they don't want us to move Aww. out. <laughs> they might have to. <laughs> but I mean, we're planning obviously to stay in the same uh, city. Oh, so. so that's really um, good for me to hear. <laughs> they're going to be, yeah, we're, I don't think we'll 
Um, go too far leave their house unless we can be in the in stay in the awesome. same place so um yeah we're, we're so happy to have them and to be able to um have them in the kids lives and stuff too for for a long time hopefully They're, i mean you couldn't ask for a better better childhood they got to live you know with your husband's family for those early years yeah, and they were great. Yeah. Too. And now yeah. they're here and you guys have just always been surrounded by a lot of family support and that's awesome. Yeah. And do you miss Fiji? Do you, I mean, obviously I'm sure you guys are going to go back and visit, but do you miss it at all? What, what do you yeah. miss about it? Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, I, for sure, I would say the people yeah. is what you miss the most. They're just like the nicest, friendliest, uh, people in the world. I mean, they, um, for sure hold a really special place in our hearts. And, you know, going back, we, you know, Fiji is a place where everyone dreams of going and, um, you know, on vacation or whatnot, but going back, like we wouldn't really care to go, you know, snorkeling and all these things. We just would want to go see the people. (laughs) Um, and so, um, we definitely miss the people a lot. Um, my husband would probably say he misses the food. Oh yeah. (laughs) Um, for sure. I mean, I, I do too, but, um, <laughs> yeah, we definitely miss the people the most, but we, you know, we'll be back a lot. We still have our house there. Oh, and, good. Um, yeah, so we'll, we're hoping to visit as often as That's we can. Good. Good. Yeah. Well, let's wrap this up. Um, I want you to think about any words of advice or thoughts or anything you'd like to share with the community out there. Um, you know, what, what, what haven't we touched on that you feel is important that you would like to touch on? Um, I would say, you know, obviously it's, it's a hard thing to get, um, you know, an autism diagnosis or, um, anything that is going to lead to your child not having, you know, the life that maybe you imagined for them. Um, you know, like I said, in the beginning, I kind of was kind of pushing off what, maybe was really going on for a while, hoping maybe that that wasn't going to be his life. Um, but you know, in the beginning you have this denial and stages um, of grief, hard to accept. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, It's hard to accept. Um, and you kind of mourn that life that they, that you really wanted them to have. And, um, you, I would find myself and my husband doing it too, just, you know, just trying to like maybe force, him to be more normal or like to not do things that were just truly who he was. Um, but we learned very quickly that, you know, as soon as you let go of like what his life should be and embrace what it will be, like there's so much beauty in that. Yeah. Um, I remember um, Liam has a great memory and he's always watching different movies and he'll rewind the same scene over and over. And there's this one time where he was on kind of like a Mulan kick and he was watching Mulan sing that reflection um song and I looked over at him and Lay were me and Layla were watching him and he was just had tears streaming Aww. down his face. And if you think about the words of that song, um you know it talks about find like um who is that girl I see staring back at me when will my reflection show who I really am? And I think as soon as we embrace our kids for who they really are and see them um, 
as they are and just kind of strip away that disability. They're just special people and they're here to teach us. I think Um, he's always been my greatest teacher. And, you know, sometimes we think, well, our kids aren't going to contribute anything to the world, but in my opinion, I think they contribute more than anybody else. Um, They're such special kids. And if anyone has opportunity to be in their world, they'll, they'll forever be changed and it's for the better. Um, I mean, I wouldn't change like their diagnosis. Um, I'm happy with who they are. Um, I know that I'm a better person because of my kids and I'm just, I guess I would just say, um, you know, they just want to be seen for who they are and loved for who they are. As we all do. The sooner that you can, Yeah, the sooner that you can do that with your kids, um, you'll find so much more joy and beauty in their life um, than you can ever imagine. And I just hope that everyone can remember that. That's awesome. I love that. Thank you. All right. So we always do a little segment at the end of our uh, podcast called The Peak of the Week. And we try to think of something um, good that happened to us or that we saw or that we experienced um, that brought us a little, little joy, a little happiness, a little, whatever, even if it's funny or silly, it's just, you know, something that made you smile. So, um, do you have a peak of the week that you have something recent that's happened to you? Yeah, I'll share just a couple of days ago. Like I mentioned, Layla's right now she's involved in softball. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's like their tournament time right now. So we took her to like some batting cages, um, just to practice her batting and, and like going to this, I was like, oh, let's just plan on like uh, my husband staying with Layla to do it. I'll just plan to take the boys because I don't think that Liam can yeah. handle it. Um, so we get there. You know, it's kind of a loud environment there and stuff. But um, we get there. He was okay. And then as soon as he saw what we were doing, it was like a pitching machine. Oh, yeah. So you stick a ball in and it shoots the ball and so she can hit it, right? And, uh, you know, I was worried how he would react, but he actually like really enjoyed it. And he had ended up being the one that was pitching to her the oh, whole time. Wow. And it was so fun. Like he, he just really found joy in that. And, um, every time she'd hit a, a good hit, he'd be like, nice, sissy, nice. Oh, that's really amazing. Cute. But that was a really fun little experience to have with him just to see him sometimes. I love when he proves me wrong. Um, <laughs> And I think that something is going to be really hard for him, but then it turns out the opposite way. So that was that was probably the highlight of my week this week. Yeah, for for competitive people like we are, it it is good to be proven <laughs> wrong sometimes. I also enjoy when my children prove yeah. me wrong <laughs> most of the time. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So I was I have one too. I um, was driving with Austin and Ruby in the car this this last week, and I was on Marco Polo like I am. Um, I was just talking to my, I was actually talking to my sister-in-laws this time. I have a few different groups I talk to and, um, none of my, my sister's in-laws live near me. So that's how we communicate mostly. And I was talking about upcoming events and we have grandmas and grandpas, both grandparents are coming to visit at the end of the month for, uh, my oldest high school graduation. And, uh, I was talking about them and I, I said their names. I didn't say grandma and grandpa. I said their names. And so, and then I was just continuing on with the conversation and all of a sudden in the back, Austin goes, 
grandma, grandpa. He just like yelled it out. Oh. And I was like, yeah, grandma, grandpa. And I have it on video. Like I caught it. I caught it because I was <laughs> oh, <that's awesome. laughs> talking to my sister-in-laws. Um, so that was really cool that I have that recorded now. So I hope you got some. Rec- Did you get any video or pictures of him pitching to to Layla? Oh, yeah, good. I was going to say, so, if not, you better do that next time. Fun. So, yeah, I try <laughs> I to know. capture those moments when you can. And sometimes they just happen, you know, without you setting anything up or grabbing that camera. And it just it just happened organically. And that was really cool. I got to yeah. share it with grandmas and grandma and grandpa. And they thought that was pretty neat. So Austin doesn't really speak a whole lot. Um, when he does, it's very spontaneous and it kind of bursts out of him like like that example. And he may not say it again for another, you know, six months even or a year. Uh, but, but so when he does, it's, it's pretty special. So anyway, yeah. Well, thank you for being here. Thank you for teaching us a little bit more about another level layer, you know, another part of this Venn diagram of autism, whatever that is with the fragile X. Um, if people have questions about that or, um, want to learn more um where where would be a good place for them to start would you say like if they wanted to look um, something up like online a, yeah there's like a fragile x um association so I, I think if you just google fragile x syndrome it's probably gonna be one of the first things okay. that that come up um there's a national association for fragile x i think it's called okay um and there's you know lots of information on there. Um, that's probably the best resource that they could go to. Or a good starting off say. point. Yeah, maybe learn a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Um, all right. Well, we hope everyone has a great week. And thank you for being here. Thank you for being willing to get on, Charlie, and and share your family story. And um, we'll have to get updates on the boys and and everything. Your whole family when throughout um you know your time here and we're i'm so glad to hear that you're going to be sticking around i knew you guys were looking for a house and i was just like oh i hope it's near me around here um (laughs) but yeah um all right we will hopefully keep in touch with you and our audience and if they have questions you know you know we'd love to have you on to answer more questions if if that is the case so um sure Everyone have a great day and we will see you again soon. Bye. Bye.